Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Georgia got a big commitment yesterday. I promise we'll get to that in a couple of minutes here. Uh, Pretty important chatter to be had about another sizable addition to this class of 2024 for UGA. Prior to that, you may have heard it said before, oh, you know, every single day it sort of feels like college football is getting more and more like the NFL. And sometimes people sort of say that in a sort of a negative way. In this particular case, I'm not saying this is good or bad. I'm just saying it is a way in which college football has sort of resembled a little bit of what the NFL has been like as of late each and every year one of the kind of benchmark moments of the NFL offseason is the schedule reveal we kind of find out we typically know you know who everybody in the NFL is playing we just don't know when they're playing them and so on the NFL network every year they have one of those primetime specials where they say okay well so and so is going to play this team on such and such date and here are your primetime games and here are your holiday games and it becomes kind of this big deal and people kind of like to watch it we already know who every team is playing but finding out when they're playing them becomes a source of interest however if you follow the NFL you know this is that the day the schedule release comes out most of the hours of the daytime leading into that nighttime TV show are filled with all kinds of schedule leaks. And by the time you get to primetime, when the NFL Network TV show comes on the air, the truth is, is most of the important gaps have already been filled in. It's been reported that so-and-so is going to play here, and here are your Thanksgiving games, and here's who's going to London, and here's this, and here's that, here's your week one games. And you pretty much know what you care about by the time you get to that primetime deal. Well, tonight, the SEC is doing a version of all of this itself. As you're probably aware, in 2024, the SEC is going to do kind of a one-off schedule, bringing in Texas and Oklahoma into the SEC, officially doing away with the idea of divisions, no more SEC East, no more SEC West. You know, eventually, it could be the SEC moves to a nine-game conference slate and has something kind of permanent in place in terms of rotation, all that for future years. That's going to come sometime in the future. But for now, in 2024, you got to have somebody to play. So the SEC is going to do a one-off eight-game conference schedule with two new teams in the league and without any kind of division stuff. And as has been anticipated for a while, that schedule, or at least the opponents, we're not going to know the dates yet. We're going to find out the opponents. Those opponents are going to be announced here tonight on the SEC Network. But much like the NFL, we're going to have schedule leaks prior to the actual TV show. We already see a version of that going on with the SEC here right now there as well. In fact, many of you woke up to this this morning. Chip Brown, who has covered the Texas Longhorns for a very long time, put it out on Twitter that the handful of Longhorn opponents that it'll get in its first season playing the SEC, some of that is starting to come into focus. In fact, if you're watching on video, let me show you this tweet on the screen here for a moment coming from Chip Brown, who writes on Twitter uh, last night that Texas's first season in the SEC in 2024 is going to include road games at Texas A&M and Arkansas, in addition to ten- uh, Texas' annual meeting with Oklahoma in the Cotton Bowl. And it's also going to feature a home game for Texas against Georgia, sources close to the situation told Horns 247. So Chip Brown kind of out there with that you know rumor, that report, whatever you want to call it, about Georgia going to Texas in 2024. And it certainly sounds like that 
no one out there right now is shooting this down. No one has stepped up to say, ah, oh, Chip Brown's out in front of the skis here. You know, no one has stepped up to say that, you know, this is just a rumor right now. And no one's denying this, in other words, that it certainly seems like there is a very good chance that we'll find out tonight that Georgia is going to Texas in 2024. And I think for Georgia fans, this is interesting probably for a handful of reasons. First of all, there's this. If the SEC is taking the steps to put this on tv tonight and if the sec wants all the energy that could exist for the arrival of texas and oklahoma into the league for next season then it stands to reason the sec wants to create as much possible buzz as it can for its 2024 schedule and right now you've got georgia who's the two-time national champion in college football so if you want buzzy games if you want games that kind of bring a lot of attention to the league then Georgia playing against so-and-so is the biggest way to do that. So if you're a Georgia fan, here's what I'm here to tell you. You better, you better buckle up your seatbelt to be delivered a doozy of a schedule tonight, especially in light of the fact that even a lot of Georgia fans are like, this 2023 schedule is a little bit, a little bit of a dud. Like Even a lot of Georgia fans are like, I wish there were a few more interesting games here on this schedule. So if Georgia fans are saying that about the 2023 schedule, then you know the Georgia haters out there are like, oh, Georgia ain't played nobody, or whatever it is that people have a tendency to say about that. So bringing that into discussion, I think, only increases the idea of Georgia playing at Texas is likely – to not be the only big-time marquee game that that Georgia gets. You've heard me say on the show before uh, that I believe that Alabama will come to Athens here uh, in 2024 there as well. Our producer, Michael Carvel, by the way, happy birthday to him, celebrating a birthday today. He asked me before the show started, do you still think that Georgia will play Alabama? And my assumption is, yeah, I do. Now, listen, that's not a report. This is just me sort of making my best guess on this. Best guess based on the idea that the SEC wants a lot of interest in the 2024 schedule that it announces tonight, or at least the opponents that it reveals tonight. And so Georgia playing the biggest possible games, that's just a way to do that. Plus, here's the deal. When you add Texas and Oklahoma into a league that already includes Georgia and Alabama and LSU, y'all, there's just a lot of big games to go around. And so the idea is moving forward. There are just more big games in the schedule year in, year out as it is. And some of that, I believe, is going to be reflected tonight by what the SEC reveals. Now, here's the good news. Kirby Smart ain't worried about any of this stuff. I want to go back to last year for a moment when the idea was first being kicked around of who Georgia might be playing and how an expanded SEC schedule might look. You know, Kirby Smart, unlike Nick Saban, by the way, who seems to be hiding under the bed right now about who his team might be playing, Kirby Smart stepped up in front of a booster club meeting a year ago and said, anybody, anywhere, anytime, we'll play whoever you want us to play. In fact, this is what Kirby Smart said about that then. I have no thoughts of my permanent opponent. It's not my job to pick them, so I'm not going to whine or cry about it. I'm not going to complain. I'm going to take whoever they get us and try to beat them. I think that's the best way to handle it. And uh, the best thing about that is they'll rotate to, to where you'll get to play everybody in our conference at a faster rate. You know, everybody talks about us and AM. We haven't been to AM the whole time they've been in the conference, and we're finally going soon. But when you go to nine, you turn it over faster. So you get to see everybody, and I'm not, I mean, look, there's somebody a lot smarter than me with algorithms. I sat through a meeting where they told us all the algorithms of how they're going to figure it out, and I said, you know what, y'all just let me know who we got. I'm going to spend my time trying to get the best players and let y'all figure out who we play. Because I, at the end of the day, you got to beat who you play, right? And, and, and they decide that. I, I don't think there's any partiality that, oh, we're going to give this team an easy schedule and this team a hard schedule. I really don't believe that. So, listen, 
it goes without saying that's the exact approach I think you want your coach to take up we'll play anybody we expect to beat anybody we're trying to get the very best players we can so whoever plays us is more afraid of us than we are of them and I just think that's the right attitude to take now something else that Kirby Smart mentions in that clip is you know we're supposed to be going to Texas A&M here pretty soon because when Smart was saying that he was thinking about a 2024 schedule that if the same rotation would be kept in place Georgia would be traveling to college station many of you are aware since A&M has been in this league since 2020 since 2012 Georgia still has not been to Texas A&M A&M came here in 2019 Georgia has not been to Texas A&M it's sort of a weird scheduling anomaly and so some folks may wonder well given the fact that Georgia has not done that is the SEC motivated to do this in 2024 and Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but I honestly don't think the average fan cares nearly as much about Georgia having not been to Texas A&M as the average media member seems to care about. That that seems to be a bigger deal, you know, sort of a basic fact that's more interesting to the average sports writer than it is the average fan. I don't mean that in a negative way, but I talk to Georgia fans each and every day. When are we going to go to Texas A&M is not one of those questions that a lot of Georgia fans kind of ask right now because Texas A&M, frankly, is just not all that relevant within this league Georgia fans I believe are a lot more interested in the sort of Texas Oklahoma Alabama LSU type opponents that it might be getting more so than A&M right now but it's also important to know that just because Georgia's traveling to Texas I don't think it prohibits necessarily Georgia also going to Texas A&M as well because here's one of the things you're gonna have to get used to with the future of SEC scheduling is the kind of geographic epicenter of this league is starting to shift to the west here a little bit we were talking about this before our show started on our first and 15 that we do on the uh, dog nation homepage and the dog nation app if you think about baton rouge from where i'm sitting right now that's probably what about a nine nine and a half hour drive am i right about that that means that six of the 16 teams in this sec are about to be at least a nine and a half hour drive away from where we sit here in the state of Georgia it's the two Texas schools it's Missouri it's Arkansas it's Oklahoma that's that's a lot of teams in the SEC that are now farther west and what we know is moving forward there is no SEC East and you know Georgia's permanent rivals will it at least not include one of either South Carolina or Tennessee and it may not include either one those are what I like to think of as Georgia sort of geographic rivals Columbia's about a three-hour drive from here Tennessee's about a three-hour drive from here those are relatively close road trips that Georgia plays right now every other year but in future worlds Georgia won't be playing Tennessee and South Carolina every year in future worlds the average travel time for a Georgia road game is just going to go up because the geographic footprint of this league is now getting wider and it's moving farther west so keep in mind that just because there are reports of georgia going out west for a 2024 road game it may be that's not the only western road game georgia has in 2024 because this league's a lot farther west than it used to be just something to sort of keep in mind one final point on this here for a moment though it was interesting to me this morning when all of this came out the sense that I get from Georgia fans is, and maybe you feel the same way, or maybe you've noticed the same thing that I've noticed, is that Georgia fans, I believe, are as excited, if not more excited, about going to Texas than they would be if the report was Texas was coming here. And if you think about that for a moment, that kind of defies conventional wisdom a little bit, right? It's like, if you listen to Texas fans, I'm sure they love the idea of, oh, we get a home game against Georgia in our first time in the SEC. But Georgia fans sort of look at this as, oh we get to take over Austin in their first year in the SEC 
Georgia fans, I think, are a little bit of a different kind of breed from the standpoint of Georgia fans, at least the ones that go to games, they like to travel. They love the idea of dog nation invasions. They love the idea of, hey, we had 40,000 fans in somebody else's stadium or 30,000 fans or 20,000 fans, whatever sizable number you want to think of. They love the idea of painting a city red and black. And I think the idea of doing that in Austin in 2024 already has a lot of Georgia fans very energized and it kind of harkens back to the 2017 trip this fan base took up to Chicago and South Bend Indiana for that game against Notre Dame and in a lot of ways what Georgia did then has kind of changed the way the college football fan bases have thought ever since then it has certainly sort of set a new standard for Georgia fans among themselves but everybody else in college football has taken notice of that in fact I want to go back to a statement that was made on our show a few years ago our buddy Tony Barnhart Mr. College Football was on and he was talking about how you know we've seen Alabama schedule better non-conference home and home type stuff since the Georgia Notre Dame game took place we've even seen Florida who's always been you know seemingly fearful of some sort of game outside the state of Florida uh they've even scheduled some non-conference stuff because everybody loved what Georgia did against Notre Dame in 2017 that became the kind of thing that everybody wanted to be a part of. In fact, for context on what we're discussing right now, this is what Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart said on our show about the Georgia-Notre Dame game going back a couple of years ago. The athletic directors are hearing it from their fans. We want experiences. We want road trips we haven't had before. We want to go play. I'm telling you, the Georgia-Notre Dame game yeah. at Notre Dame in 2017 changed everything. It really did. Because now everybody's looking, hey, why can't we go to Notre Dame? Why can't we go to UCLA? Why can't we go to Penn State like Alabama's going? So that's number one. Number two, I am not going to pay you $125 to watch you play Western Carolina. I'm just not going to do it. The last point that Tony makes there I think is self-evident. The days of college football having a lot of room for Georgia versus Western Carolina type stuff – that's just going away. There is an appetite for better games more consistently, and that's what the new SEC schedule, I believe, is going to reflect. And it's not just, as Tony says, other programs who want to get them some of what Georgia had going to Notre Dame in 2017. A lot of Georgia fans would say, hey, we're ready to feel that way again. We want to take over another you know, blue blood capital of college football type venue and austin texas the texas longhorns seems like a pretty good place to do all that in 2024 if this report turns out to be true and the additional wrinkle here is there's also the revenge factor georgia did play texas the 2018 sugar bowl bevo sucker punched uh august sneak attack from behind uh and really one of the most despicable acts i've ever seen from a live animal mascot in that particular game uh you know prior to that season so revenge against bevo for what he tried to do there I think a lot of Texas fans are going to be shocked to find out that the version of Georgia they saw in New Orleans that particular night, a lot of opt-outs, meaningless bowl game, the version of Georgia they see rolling into Austin in 2024 may be a very different version of the dogs if this game does indeed take place. But there's some excitement about this. You know, not everybody loves the idea of the expanded new SEC, but no doubt some good new fun games are on the rise. We're going to find out some of those tonight. And Georgia traveling to Texas Seems like there's a little bit of steam around this being a reality here right now. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by our friends at Breda Pest Management. If I had to guess, our buddy Matt Breda probably already making his plans right now to be in Austin. If the dogs are going to be there in 2024, my guess is Matt's going to be there too, and many of us hope to do the very same thing. And some of you joining us here today, you're uh, kind of feeling that same way, whether you're joining us live on video, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio, of course, noon. Athens Sports Radio 960 Ref. I was on with him this morning. Uh, Podcasts, Apple, Spotify, everything else in between. We're just really glad that you choose to be a part of what we do here on Dog Nation Daily. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management who make it all possible. You know, Breda Pest Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. It means they're taking care of Sanford Stadium. By the way, I was just in Athens yesterday. We had a little bit of a meeting we had to go to there. It's kind of fun after it was over with. First of all, the weather was beautiful yesterday, and I walked around uh, campus just for a little bit because I don't get to be in Athens a ton. So I was kind of walking around, soaking it all up, and you know, standing there on the bridge and looking over at Sanford Stadium. It was gorgeous, wonderful weather, and I was thinking as uh, I was looking at the stadium, boy, it's kind of cool to know. No termites, no bugs, no critters, all of that staying outside Sanford Stadium because of the fact that Breda Pest Management is taking just as good a care of the UG Athletic Facilities as it can for you and your home there as well. They've been in business since 1975, 125 employees, and for you, what's relevant, what matters is the idea that when you make the switch to Breda Pest Management, when you kind of kick that fly-by-night company that you might be working with to the curb and choose to work with our friends at Breda Pest Management, you're going to put more money in your pocket instantly just for making that decision. That's what they're able to do. They have a lot of resources, a lot of institutional, organizational strength, and they want you to be able to leverage that for your benefit by putting more money back in your pocket just for making that switch to our friends at Breda Pass Management. So do that today. Find them online, bredapass.com. That is B-R-E-D-A, bredapass.com for a lot more on that. Great to have Breda Pass Management, the official pest control provider of UG Athletics, here with us today on Dog Nation Daily. Now, coming up in a couple of minutes, we're going to speak to Mike Griffith. I have not talked to Mike in a little while. He had some vacation time last week, so we'll look forward to doing that with him here today. Prior to that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse, and the thing that I thought we'd probably be talking about a lot today, we're going to talk about right now, which is the fact that Georgia got itself a very nice commitment yesterday in the person of four-star defensive lineman Jordan Thomas. This is the sort of second kind of like four-star you know, top 100 type recruit along the defensive line that Georgia's added in just a week's time here. Obviously, uh, did that with Justin Green last week uh, from Mountain View here in Georgia, now doing that with Jordan Thomas out of the state of New Jersey. And I'm going to repeat myself on one front here, which is the cost of doing business in big time college football. If you want to be in the club of elite national championship contenders, then the cover charge you pay to get in that club is you got to have big-time athletes along the defensive line. you got to have big guys who can bend at the hips and just sort of play with the kind of agility required to be along the defensive line. If you don't have good defensive linemen, you are not a national championship contender. No matter how you know good your quarterback looks in the cover of one of these glossy preseason magazines, and no matter how many skill position guys you got, whatever else, you can have all of that in spades. But if you don't have the kind of big-time dominant line of scrimmage players, and defensive linemen are always tricky because it is just a little bit you know rare of a position where it's just scarce it's hard to find the big time defensive line talent so you got to win with elite defensive line prospects year over year over year and that's what George is doing Jordan Thomas the latest example of this I'll show you the nice uh, graphic here on the screen that our friends over at on three put together for the uh, Jordan Thomas commitment this sort of stands as the official commitment announcement you never get tired of seeing those two national championship trophies Thomas obviously looks good in the all-black Georgia jersey there with the uh, white helmet on there too. (laughs) Georgia will never wear that combination in a game, 
but nonetheless the recruits like wearing that for their uh, recruiting photos and Jordan Thomas the sort of latest edition here which I really like and when you want context on stuff like this I think it's always important to kind of know well who did George have to beat out to get this player you know we talked about that earlier this week with Chauncey Bowens the running back who flips from Florida you know beating Florida for a recruit right now is no great shakes but it's obviously fun for Georgia fans because they like kicking around the Gators but oftentimes the the needed context for how good a recruit is a lot of that is sort of determined by who you had to beat out to get him we talked about this yesterday on the show as it relates to Jordan Thomas that Thomas was supposed to take a visit to Michigan here this weekend and getting the commitment uh for you know Georgia getting that commitment prior to that Michigan visit sort of stands as a pretty big deal here right now you know Michigan hasn't always swam in the same kind of recruiting waters that Georgia does but right now Michigan's actually number two in the 24-7 sports composite team rating here for this upcoming year that after a couple of trips to the college ball playoff Michigan is starting to sort of finally recruit the way that you would think a power program which they think of themselves as being a team that's had some success on the field Michigan's current recruiting efforts are finally starting to reflect that here a little bit uh so Georgia getting a guy like Thomas in the fold prior to that Michigan visit I think that right now sort of stands as the evidence of the program strength that Michigan has had recruiting momentum against a lot of teams including its hated rival Ohio State they've actually even done well in a couple of head-to-head battles with Ohio State here in this particular recruiting cycle so Georgia getting Thomas prior to Thomas supposed to take a visit to Michigan that stands as a pretty big deal here right now and the other thing that I think is valuable about Jordan Thomas and his commitment to Georgia, in addition to the fact that you just love having a good defensive lineman in the fold, is that it kind of makes good on a prophecy that we talked about. <laughs> and I say prophecy joking. I don't, I don't take myself that seriously. I promise. But when Fran Brown was first hired here at Georgia, one of the things that we said at the time that would probably prove to be valuable for UGA is the fact that Brown had coached at Rutgers hailing from the state of new jersey and listen i'm as much of an sec homer and a southern guy as you could possibly ever be and very sort of southern centric when it comes to my college football opinions but even i am willing to acknowledge and even i am aware of the fact that up in the northeast new jersey as a state probably has a little bit more high school football talent than you realize in fact since jim harbaugh has been michigan coach to, to speak of the wolverines again that's been one of the states they've kind of gone to david ajabo is from new jersey they've had a lot of players on their roster from new jersey that quietly especially compared to anybody else in the northeast for sure but even the average state in general is that new jersey's probably a little bit better state for high school football than you might realize and so when georgia hired fran brennan's as defensive backs coach what we said on the show was our you know cornerbacks coach specifically what we said on the show was hey don't discount the idea that fran brown might give georgia a pretty good pipeline into new jersey this is a program that recruits nationally of course but actually having better access to new jersey just given the fact that in most years the state of new jersey's got a nice handful of players who can really play and think about no marino obviously you know georgia's had done well with guys from the state of new jersey before anyway but the point here is is that brown's value to uga could come in the form of better access to the garden state and every now and then you know getting a good player out of the state of new jersey in fact fran brown we played this audio for you when he was first hired some uh stuff that he was a part of a video that his previous employer rutgers put together brown making it be known then how proud he was to represent the state of new jersey as a part of that rutgers staff and now kind of bringing some of that down south here to uga here as well this is audio we've played before but this is fran brown talking about his ties there to new jersey 
That's my state. That's where I'm from. When you're from a state and you get to coach for the biggest program in the state, Coach Chiano, he just wants to win. But he doesn't just want to win at football. He wants the players that he's coaching to win at life, to win going to class, to win doing things. And he's wanting to do that with the coaches also. So that means a lot to me. It means a lot. And I have a lot to uphold of being having the opportunity of coaching him. It goes without saying what he's saying about Greg Shiano there might be a slight exaggeration. I'm not quite so sure that uh, Shiano's even all that long for the Rutgers job as it stands right now. They're not winning very much, but you say what you need to say when, when it comes to the head coach that employed you. But the point is, what Fran Brown says there about his home state of New Jersey, we definitely believe that's true. And while Jordan Thomas is coming down here to UGA to play for Trey Scott, and obviously Trey Scott's won his share of recruiting battles, the area recruiter, the geographic tie that Brown as the cornerbacks coach has to New Jersey, we're led to believe that really mattered in this recruitment too. So it's another example of something we feel like we keep saying over and over again, which is Kirby Smart has put together a collection of assistant coaches that's about as good as anything he's ever had here at UGA. And when you look at the overall explanation for the dominance that George has shown on the field, pointing to these 10 position coaches, these 10 assistant coaches kind of below the coordinator level or the handful of assistants kind of below that coordinator level, listen, this speaks to the Georgia program strength as much as anything ever could. Fran Brown, instrumental, we're led to believe in this Jordan Thomas recruitment, the latest example of that. So there's a lot going right for UGA recruiting right now. And the assistant coaches working with Kirby Smart, they are the reason why. So giving them their flowers when it comes to recruiting wins like this, very important to do. And so we'll do that as part of Around the Doghouse here right there. Now, before I bring on Mike Griffith, let me also give you an update. Mike, of course, served our country. Uh, that makes him an American hero in my book. And we're also honoring American heroes here right now as we kind of move towards the uh, summertime of the year. We're kind of post-Memorial Day, looking ahead of the 4th of July. And here at Dog Nation, we're obviously very proud to be a part of this great country and very proud to celebrate all of that this time of year and we're doing that with our friends at Kroger and Traeger Grills now it is getting crunch time here on this so June 17th is your last that, that's when this deadline comes right now. you got between now and June 17th to do this and this is very very simple and I want all of you to realize that you could win a Traeger Ironwood XL grill that's a $2,000 value these Traeger grills are amazing and this is an amazing Traeger grill and you could also win a $500 gift card from Kroger there as well. Now, here's all you need to do to win. Y'all, this is really, really simple. You just got to go to dognation.com and kind of tell the story of an American hero in your life, whether it be someone from your family or someone you know in your community. It does not have to be an armed services veteran. It can be, you know, just anybody. It can be a teacher. It can be uh, a Sunday school teacher. It can be a firefighter. It can be a police officer. It can be whatever. Um, just any story that you want to tell about someone who's kind of gone above and beyond to make your life better to make the lives in your community better that person in our book is an american hero and we want to celebrate uh all of those great stories by giving you a chance to win the traeger ironwood xl grill and the kroger 500 gift card just for telling the story in other words you tell the story you get a chance to be the winner because of that so it's a photo it's a short video that's what you upload and from that, the winner's going to be selected. This is super simple. Go to dognation.com. You can find out all the details, uh, all the contest rules, whatever else. But you can also submit your photo and your short or your short video. And you could be a winner of a Traeger Ironwood XL Grill and a Kroger $500 gift card. So go to dognation.com for more on that. You've got between now and June 17th to do that. We've been telling you about this for a while. The contest time, though, starting to wind down here, run out. So Go to dognation.com to get in for your chance to win the Traeger Ironwood XL Grill 
and the $500 gift card courtesy of Kroger. All right, so that's coming up. For now, though, on everything related to Georgia football, including some of the work these Georgia assistant coaches are doing right now, and a fun look ahead at what the 2024 schedule might look like for UGA. Let's cover all of that ground with our buddy Mike Griffith here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management here today. And, Mike, I obviously want to talk to you a lot about some of the scheduling stuff that's out there. I think that's really fun. Of course, the league announcing those 2024 opponents later on tonight. Prior to that, I was just talking about the Georgia assistant coaches. And to me, when you look at what has made Georgia so strong, there's obviously a lot of reasons you could point to. But I continually sort of circle back to the assistant coaches this team has in place the, the the hires that Kirby Smart has made especially kind of the position coaching level we've talked about Todd Hartley as of late we've talked about Trey Scott as of late you know I think that Fran Brown right now getting some credit for helping Georgia go into New Jersey and win with the defensive lineman like Jordan Thomas you know uh, Brown was a guy that wasn't particularly famous when he was hired here much the same way that Jadero Uzo Deribe wasn't really a well-known name to me either and yet in the early stages of their tenure here as Georgia coaches it's fairly obvious that they fit in very well here in terms of the kind of hard driving coaches that a place like Georgia requires how impressed are you with the staff that Kirby Smart's put together I know prior to last year he said this is the best staff he feels like he'd ever had a little bit different look here this year because it's Mike Bobo in, uh, Todd Munkin out. But once again, I think the vibe here is is that Georgia has a group of assistant coaches that love working together and love working to help produce wins. Fran Brown contributing to another recruiting win, maybe the latest example of that. Yeah, so obviously these are all really talented coaches that Kirby's brought in, Brandon. But I, I'm going to kind of spin it a little bit different. I, I think a lot of this is the culture that Kirby Smart has created. That, that's not to say Mike Bobo is not a great coach or Fran Brown or, or Todd Hartley or, or Del McGee. But to your point, I think Fran Brown's always been a really good coach. I think it was known in the trade. He wasn't famous, though, because the staff he was on. You know, Mike Bobo's had some stops that have made people raise their eyebrows where maybe his, he didn't do as well. Well, he was a good coach, but he wasn't operating in the right culture. You know, Del McGee, I mean, how good would Del McGee be if he was on another staff? I don't I don't really know the answer to that question. But to me, I think that Kirby's culture and the Georgia program and what they have to recruit to um, says a lot. So I, I would give the recruits, excuse me, I would give the assistant coaches a great deal of credit. Obviously, Georgia does. I mean, they're among the highest paid in the country. But what would they do if they were at South Florida? What would they do if they were at Rutgers? What would they do? So to me, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to oversell because I do think that if one or two left, and we've seen this, right? When, when great coaches like Mel Tucker left, uh, Sam Pittman, when I think about great and George was able to replace, right? And so I give Kirby, Kirby and the University of Georgia, the majority of the credit. That's not to take away from the good. They're good assistant coaches. But my only point is, if it wasn't them, Kirby would hire somebody else. Yeah, so I think we're probably saying pretty close to the same thing. However, I do kind of find myself wanting to kind of refine the point a little bit from the standpoint of if we would agree that Georgia has a great culture, and if you were to ask me, hey, what's the main reason that Georgia has such a great culture, 
I would say it's because of the coaches that Kirby has either been able to hire, chosen to hire, identified as candidates worth hiring. In other words, Kirby Smart could have the best ideas about football, the best energy as it relates to football. Kirby Smart could be every bit the coach that we think he is, but you still can't permeate an entire organization because the organization is just too big for one person to completely do that, that you've got to express yourself through the hires that you make. And I'm a big believer, Mike, and I've said this many times, that the same way that player talent is scarce, there'll never be enough good players to go around, there are not enough good coaches to go around. There just aren't, especially in the kind of hard-driving, burn-the-candle-at-both-ends style the SEC requires. And so you know, there's always going to be a handful of famous names of, well, if you've got a job opening at this spot, you know this would be a good hire. But there'll never be quite enough of those either, that you've got to be able to identify. You've got to be able to, to bring in guys with the assumption they're going to kind of grow into that role. And so the thing that I still don't feel like gets enough credit from time to time is Smart's ability to kind of identify you know guys that he does want to hire, hiring them, keeping them on staff. And as you said, the you know big uh, salaries obviously help do that. But it's the staff continuity for Georgia, good coaches staying here for a, a long period of time. To me, that sort of speaks to the program success that Georgia has had as much as I believe anything. Yeah, and I think Kirby's done a great job developing coaches, Brandon. You know, you think about Dan Laning and Glenn Schumann as two young coaches, um, you know, that maybe hadn't been as proven, certainly not at the level that they ended up being as defensive coordinators. I think Mel Tucker was already proven. I think that's an example of a veteran that he hired that was good. I think Sam Pittman was already proven. That's another good example. I think the same of Fran Brown. But I think of guys like Shane Beamer and I think of Dan Lanning and I think of Glenn Schumann as coaches that, that grew under Kirby. Um, and, yes, making them the highest paid and putting them in positions where they can get hired out of here to bigger jobs, that's very attractive. Uh, I do think Kirby sets the culture, though, not the other way around. I don't think the assistant coaches come in and, and the some of them make up George. I feel like Kirby sets the culture, and the coaches fit the culture. They understand what they're getting into. Like you said, um, I think they have to understand what Kirby's culture and what the Georgia football culture is. I think it's remarkable when you look at that offensive staff to see that most of all of these coaches, with the exception of Del McGee, were here under Mark Richt, another really good coach. And they understand the Georgia culture um, of the great high school programs that are here, of the support at the university. Um, there is, there is you know, um, you know a, a nod towards academics at Georgia as a top 20 institution. That's, that's not just fodder. Um, that is something that they do take serious. Kirby himself is a former academic All-SEC and a business school graduate. Uh, it is a little bit different. There are a lot of things about Georgia that make the Bulldogs unique beyond uh, their elite, you know, records on the field the last two years. So uh, I, I think it's a conglomerate. I think it's a combination of those two things. Kirby identifies good coaches, but I think he develops them. And, and I think that I, I listened to a recent podcast where he actually talked about trying to find ways to make this a better place to work because, you know, working all those days and burning those hours, as you said, it's hard to sustain that. And I think, you know, Kirby's not going to, you know, uh, suddenly, you know, go easy and, and not put in the work. Of course he is. But when he can find opportunities for his staff to spend time with their families, and you know a lot about that yourself with the involvement you have with your children, um, it really, I think it makes you a better employee and a better worker because you're that much more happier when, when you are on the clock. 
So tonight's going to be a little bit of a different type of thing from the SEC. There's really only one instance in previous history where this has gone on. Obviously, pandemic 2020, uh, we got a schedule release where it was a one-off type deal. And, you know, you had really no idea who George was going to be playing. Uh, tonight, when the SEC releases its opponents for the 2024 season, it's the uh, same kind of deal here where we literally could see Georgia playing almost anybody and I think we're on guard for almost anything. We did talk before you joined us about the interesting uh, report coming out of Chip Brown and the uh, Texas program that Georgia's going to travel to Texas here in 2024. I know you've written about this here at Dog Nation, but Mike, what do you think about this schedule release tonight for the sort of one-off eight-game conference slate for 2024? Yeah, well, here comes Texas putting themselves before the league and, and kind of spoiling the surprise for everyone and, you know, mentioning the marquee game of the 2024 season, leaking that out. This is what Texas did in the Big 12. They put themselves ahead of other programs in their league, and this is something the SEC is going to get used to and probably resent Texas like other leagues have um, because it's just kind of a junky thing to do, frankly because uh, that, that would have been a, a cool surprise to have. But Texas puts itself first. Um, you know, it's, it, that state is known for that. Uh, that particular university is known for that as well. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's a phenomenon that we're all just going to have to get used to. Uh, just when you thought that there couldn't be a more arrogant, unlikable program than Florida BA, here comes the Texas Longhorns. Let me introduce you to them. Um, but we're going to have to have a Longhorn hater pretty soon going uh. So uh, that, that's an interesting facet of it. You know, Connor did a story, I thought a really good story last week, on building, you know, the ideal 2024 schedule. And I, and I kind of followed up today with my prediction. And it, mine and his look a lot alike. There's a lot of things that make sense uh, about the schedule that, that I predicted or the opponents that I predicted today. I think we're both comfortable uh, with Auburn saying that Auburn's going to be protected. Uh, Brandon, I like your take because you are the voice of the fans. I'm a little disappointed uh, that, that Tennessee, uh, this, this doesn't look like a robbery that's going to continue to be an yep. annual deal uh, when the 3-6 comes. And uh, Auburn seems to have more steam. And I don't know. You know, I covered Auburn and I covered Tennessee uh, when they played Georgia, and now I covered Georgia when they played Auburn and Tennessee. I just felt like the Tennessee robbery had a lot more steam behind it. The Auburn robbery, I just... You know, Auburn's all about Alabama. They're just all about Alabama. When I covered Auburn, the Georgia robbery just, just didn't. I guess, I don't know. Your thoughts on that as someone that's a Georgia fan? Well, no, I think, I mean, for me, Georgia-Auburn's a game that needs to take place each and every year. I wouldn't mind playing Tennessee either as a Georgia fan, but I am a big believer that Georgia-Auburn needs to take place every year. I do believe it'll take place in 2024. We'll find out beyond that, you know, if the SEC is able to come to agreement on a nine-game conference slate keeping this uh, game moving forward after that but uh, I am a believer in the Deep South's oldest rivalry I I think it's interesting that Auburn's actually had far more success against Alabama in the last decade or so than it's had against UGA so while there's you know you know clearly a lot of Iron Bowl you know energy there between Auburn and Alabama (laughs) I think a lot of Auburn fans are kind of tired of losing to Georgia every single year so I think they're hopeful to sort of change the tone of that rivalry there at some point in time but I definitely am a believer the Iron Bowl needs I should say that the the Deep South's oldest rivalry needs to take place every year and I am like you I expect that to happen here tonight as well yeah you know I think the rivalries you know like South Carolina seemed like it made a lot of sense because it's so close but South Carolina really doesn't want to play Georgia every year I found that out And, and Tennessee uh, you know, Tennessee would rather play Florida and Alabama. Those are their two bigger rivals than Georgia. Georgia's number three on their list. 
uh, behind the Florida robbery and the Alabama robbery to them. That's more important. And then, of course, they have the convenient in-state robbery with Vanderbilt. And we know Vanderbilt would rather play Tennessee because they canceled on Georgia twice in the same year but managed to wedge uh, Tennessee in there. I guess the thing that kind of sours me a little bit is it looks like Georgia. And this isn't for 2024, but I do think they'll play Kentucky in 2024. But it looks like Georgia's kind of just getting stuck with Kentucky. I mean, it just looks like when they go to the 3-6 eventually, it just looks like Georgia's going to get stuck with Kentucky in November. And it's just nothing good. It just It's just a sucky opponent. Uh, of SEC opponents that you want to see. I mean, oh, let's all get excited to play Kentucky. Oh, not really. Basketball, no. Football, you're supposed to beat them. It's going to be cold up there. It's a long drive. How did Georgia get stuck with this? But that that's that's probably the disappointing thing for me. I, that's why I would have liked to have seen – I know DJ Shockley also talked about wanting to see Tennessee, and, and so did Chris Smith. But, you know, for some reason, Kentucky gets, gets to draw Georgia. And, and someday they might even beat them. What has it been, B.A., 14 years since Kentucky's beaten Georgia? Sure, Something like sure. That? But as far as tonight goes, I think the thing that if I'm a Georgia fan I'm on guard for is is I don't believe Georgia-Texas is going to be the only marquee-style game that is delivered to UGA for this 2024 schedule. Georgia's obviously the two-time national champion, so if you want buzzy, you know, kind of attention-generating stuff, games announced then Georgia's got to feature very prominently a lot of those and so I believe in addition to Georgia Texas I mean I still believe that we'll likely see like an Alabama coming to Georgia type situation in 2024 or you know something that sort of feels about as big as Georgia Texas does I don't believe this will be the only marquee style game that Georgia's delivered for 2024 and the other thing that I think Georgia fans got to keep in mind here a little bit there as well is that it, we're doing away with divisions, which means that on a yearly basis, Georgia's going to lose some of what I think of as geographic rivals. Columbia, Knoxville, fairly close to here. The other thing that I think that Georgia's got to be on guard for a little bit is, is the idea that the average trip you'll take for your road games is about to go up, right? I mean, you know, just because Georgia's going to Austin, I don't think that prohibits Georgia from going to one of these other sort of Western type spots in 2024. Oh, yeah. You know, Georgia still yeah. hasn't been to Texas A&M. I don't know that changed tonight. Maybe it does, but but the you know, just because Georgia's allegedly going to Texas in 2024, I don't think that means that it also won't go somewhere else out west too, because this league is just more Western than it used to be. Oh, I agree. In fact, my projections. I mean, enjoy this year. For travel, because next year I think you're going to have a lot of travel. Or 2024, I think you're going to go to Texas A&M and Texas and Old Miss and Kentucky. I think you're going to go all those places, and then you're only going to have three home games because every you know because the you know the, the school likes the money they get from Jacksonville. So you're going to have to drive there too to Jacksonville, which you know some people like more than others. And then you'll have three home games, and then I think LSU will be one of those home games. It's been a minute since LSU has been to Athens, but but I, I think next year, you, I think they'll play the, the Ole Miss, you'll play a return game there, you got them coming here this year, I think you'll play at Ole Miss, I think you'll play at Texas A&M, I think you'll play at Texas, and I think you'll play at Kentucky, you know, the, the resident, you know, whatever game. So, and then you have three home games, right, which I think will be LSU, and um, I'm trying to think who else I projected in there, LSU-Auburn, uh, Florida is a designated home game that you will play in Jacksonville, and, gosh, I can't remember who the other game was I thought would be at home. But, yeah, oh, I think Georgia's schedule. And, and you know what? There's so many people whining and griping about Georgia's schedule this year, Brandon, but nobody paid attention when Georgia had the hardest doggone schedule in the league for a, a couple few years there. 
Nobody paid attention. And, and so, you know, Georgia finally catches a break with the schedule, and everybody just acts like the world's coming to an end. And so you better believe that next year when Georgia gets dealt that, that wicked schedule, and it's going to be wicked, you better believe it's going to be wicked because we all know Nick Saban won't do it because he just cried and went to his knees about the three teams. They, oh, well, then Nick's not going to vote for nine games. Because Nick didn't want to play LSU, Tennessee, and Auburn. Now that Tennessee's actually halfway decent, he whines and, and, and complains. And I almost said a word that started with B. And and he gets and he votes for eight games. But you know what? I'll say it. Kirby doesn't complain. Mike Kirby says bring them on. You got to play everybody every two years anyway. Kirby and George aren't complaining. But I bet you they're going to get dealt a really tough hand in twenty twenty four. All right, Mike, we'll see how it all plays out tonight. Thanks for being with us here today on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Brady Pass Manager. We'll look forward to reading a lot more from you at dognation.com and, of course, talking to you very soon here as well. It was great seeing you yesterday, Brandon. Thank you. Enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, what Mike makes mention of, we had a little bit of a Dog Nation meeting yesterday. We don't do tons of meetings uh, necessarily. You know, we have a handful of folks that live in the Athens area, a handful of us who live in the Atlanta area, so getting the full Dog Nation team together. Not something we typically are able to do an awful lot, but we did get together in Athens for a couple of minutes yesterday. That was nice to be able to do, and I just like being in Athens. I don't get a chance to go to Athens as much as I'd possibly like, obviously for games, of course, but uh, just during the regular week. Uh, don't get a chance to do that. Boy, the weather was gorgeous yesterday. Walked around downtown for a minute, You know, kind of walked around campus for a minute. There's still a lot of stadium construction going on, so uh, that's a little bit of a different type vibe. But uh, it was just really fun to be um, – just to be there and you know if you ever go to Athens you know in a normal situation that west end zone kind of complex there they have the gates open this is not like a this is not a secret this is for anybody to take advantage of they have to get a, kind of the gates open kind of create a little bit of a patio you can walk out there on that patio and kind of look into the stadium now if you try to go farther than that there's all kinds of security and stuff that will uh, kind of come out of the woodworks on you. But just to kind of walk out there on that patio, you're free to do that in a normal situation and really just kind of soak in that. It's a great picture spot. So uh, one of those things, if you're ever around there, it's worth kind of going over to the stadium and just getting that beautiful view there from the bridge and even a little closer, kind of almost inside the confines of the stadium to do that. So I enjoyed doing some of that yesterday, kind of soaking some of that in. It was a really good time. So love being in Athens when I get a chance to be. That was really fun. A great travel opportunity for me there. And speaking of wonderful travel opportunities, you got some uh, great travel opportunities coming your way here very soon there as well. When it comes to our friends at Royal Caribbean, this is a great time to be booking a Royal Caribbean cruise vacation. Whether you're like me, coming up in a couple of weekends, I've got a great family cruise schedule, and I love the excitement that's kind of back and forth with talking to folks in my family about the fun that we're going to be having there. And for you, you can kind of make your own plans there too, whether it be what we're doing, everybody's busy, a lot of folks trying to coordinate schedules, so therefore for us, it made sense to just sort of do the three-night cruise, you know, get there on a Friday, come back on a Monday, super simple, but for other folks, they want the full experience that comes your way in one of those seven-night cruises on an Oasis-class ship, maybe, where you enjoy all the various neighborhoods you have there, like the Central Park or the Boardwalk with the Aqua Theater there on the back and all the various entertainment options that kind of come your way on an Oasis-class ship. We did that back in February. My family, we were on Wonder of the Seas. That was really fun. The, the point is, whether it's a three-night, a four-night, a seven-night, going out of Port Canaveral or maybe Fort Lauderdale or Miami, or for some of you, it's like, hey, my bucket list dream thing is doing an Alaskan cruise. I still haven't done that yet. One of these days, I'd like to. For now, I'm very, very happy just to sail around the Caribbean, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay, things like that. 
Either way, whatever cruise option you think would be best for you, our friends at Royal Caribbean can provide a great cruise experience. And Jessica Slater, terrific travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean, she can help you out with all of that. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. She's got you covered on all of that here today. All right, let's go cruising on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Let me give you a couple of other thoughts kind of in my head about the SEC opponent release we're going to get tonight. Once again, it's an eight-game conference slate. It's just for 2024. We're not getting dates tonight. We won't know when Georgia's going where, but we will know who Georgia's going to be playing, and we will know who the rest of the SEC is going to be playing there as well. And there are a couple of SEC sort of things not related to Georgia that I find to be pretty interesting here. First of all, Greg Sankey has told us that this uh, is going to be a, a schedule that favors the kind of traditional rivals. So Georgia's going to be playing Florida. Georgia's going to be playing Auburn. If the league stays in an eight-game conference slate moving forward, Georgia won't be able to play both those games every year. But for this particular year, they're going to be able to. Other traditional rivalries are going to be protected there as well. That means that Texas is going to be playing Texas A&M. If the league stays at eight games moving forward, Texas can't play Oklahoma and A&M every single year. And the thought is their one permanent opponent would likely be Oklahoma protecting that rivalry. But for this particular year, Texas is going to play Texas A&M. First time these two teams have played in a long time, there'll be all kinds of energy around this game. And there's already a good bit of energy right now about where the game is going to be played. This is my favorite thing about the SEC and my favorite thing about kind of college football in general which is A&M, who we're led to believe, even though they eventually kind of went along with it, they weren't thrilled about the idea of Texas joining the SEC. A lot was said about that a couple of years ago when all this went down. But A&M seemingly has sort of drawn a line in the sand of, hey, we've been in the SEC. We've been here since 2012. Texas is a sort of Johnny-come-lately to this conference. We want some respect shown to us. We want Texas to come to us in 2024. Now, Chip Brown, the uh, report that he had a little earlier, suggests that Texas is going to go to College Station in 2024. There's some chatter out there. This was an A&M demand. They, we said, they said, we want Texas to come to us, come to Kyle Field here in 2024. And so it'll be interesting to see if that is indeed the, uh, I guess, the wink and the nod the SEC gives in the direction of Texas A&M to give them that home game in 2024. I believe the last time Texas played Texas A&M was also in College Station. That's many, many years ago. That's what, 2011 or something like that? The last time these two teams played. It's also important to know that everybody's sort of fixated on the, well, Georgia hasn't played so-and-so since this year, and Georgia's never been at Texas A&M. I do not believe the SEC is going to use tonight as a way of writing scheduling wrong. In other words, well, the last time you played them was at home, and so therefore you're going to play them on the road. There may be some of that, but the SEC is purpose for 2024 is not to you know give Georgia a chance to travel to Texas A&M because it's never done that before Georgia may still do that but that's not that's not the purpose I believe of what the SEC is pursuing here and if Texas A&M does get a chance to host Texas even though the last time they played him was also in College Station the SEC doesn't care about that one way or another nor will it care about that I believe for any other team either A&M has said they want the home game we'll see tonight if the SEC actually gives it to them I believe that they probably will uh, Mike Griffith mentioned Alabama a moment ago we know Alabama Nick Saban in particular has been very vocal about the idea that he didn't want his three permanent opponents moving forward to be Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee. Now, the weird part about all this is is that not only has Alabama been playing these same three teams every year, for the most part, Alabama has also been beating these three teams 
with regularity, but Saban has said moving forward that he does not want to have to play three permanent games against Auburn, LSU, and Tennessee every single season. So here's what I'd be curious to find out. Are those three opponents in place for Alabama's 2024 schedule? We're going to find that out here tonight. You know third Saturday in October is not going anywhere. In fact, you would assume the game will be played on the third Saturday in October between Alabama and Tennessee. Iron Bowl is obviously not going anywhere between Alabama and Auburn. That means the one question mark would be Alabama and LSU. Alabama LSU has obviously been a very important game in recent years, but it's not necessarily a traditional rivalry. It's it's just not. Uh, so you would potentially have the freedom to not play this game in 2024 if the SEC wanted to do it. My guess is they probably won't. My guess is they'll probably give Alabama LSU. So keep this in mind that if Alabama is going to get for 2024 LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee, there are rumors out there that Alabama is also going to get Oklahoma. I don't know if that's true or not, but those are the rumors. So understand this. If Alabama were to get Oklahoma, LSU, Auburn, Tennessee, then folks, you better be on guard for Georgia getting about anything, right? I mean, they like if that's what if that's what the Auburn I should say if that's what half of Alabama's SEC schedule is going to look like, then Georgia's schedule could look like anything. And I I've told you before I think there's a chance that Alabama's coming here. If it's not Alabama, it almost certainly will be LSU. LSU hasn't been to Athens since 2013. Um, that Georgia's schedule is going to probably look pretty robust. The Alabama schedule, as I said before, just on the basis of the easy games to sort of plug in that's going to look like a, a pretty big deal there uh you know there's there going to be some pretty big games there so if that's what Alabama's getting then Georgia's going to get something I would imagine pretty similar the team that's been the most vocal against the nine game conference expansion has I believe been Kentucky this goes back to a year ago when they were the sort of greasy wheel or, or squeaky wheel that prevented the uh the SEC from being able to announce a nine game slate a year ago this year, more teams joined Kentucky, but Kentucky was sort of the first, and they have been sort of the loudest. So keeping that in mind, what kind of favors is the SEC looking to do Kentucky tonight with the schedule that's given to it? They don't want the nine games conference late. They want to stay at eight. Greg Sankey, we're led to believe, does want nine. Is there any sort of spitefulness here where if Kentucky says we want an eight-game conference late, where the SEC says, okay, well, here's your eight games, and it's this team, that team, that team, and it's a pretty big uh, doozy, uh, there's at least a chance that's a possibility. The one thing we do know is is that the divisions are going away. So if you're used to have been playing six of your eight conference games against teams from your own division, well, for teams like Georgia or Kentucky or whoever else, it just sort of stands to reason there'll be far fewer SEC East traditional SEC East opponents on your schedule for 2024 and given the fact that the West has just been better on balance than the SEC East has been most of these SEC East teams are likely to see a schedule revealed tonight a list of opponents revealed tonight that's just a little bit tougher than what they're used to playing because it's going to have more teams from the West fewer teams from the East and the East teams have just been a little bit easier to beat so all of this is going to be you know really interesting and I guess the other thing to kind of watch out for here is much the same way that Georgia has never been to Texas A&M, by comparison, this year, Florida is going to A&M for the third time. In other words, the SEC has not been afraid to do some sort of weird things with its kind of one-off scheduling. It sent Georgia to Auburn two years in a row in 2011 and 2012. Um, you know, there have been two previous instances of sort of like one-off type scheduling, the 2020 pandemic, the 2012 first year of the 14-team SEC 
and the SEC has taken fairly you know large liberties to say what we do in these years is not necessarily representative of what we're going to do long term. So we may see something come out tonight that just sort of feels sort of weird of you know a team having to travel to a place two years in a row or uh, if history serves it'll probably be george that's to do that but uh um but something that sort of feels really incongruous uh, uh compared to however you say that word in, in, in comparison to what other sec teams are having to do the sec shown you before they ain't afraid if that's what they feel like they need to do and we may see some of that tonight either way i think it's kind of fun we don't get this a ton um it's f- sort of fascinating for whatever reason seeing a list of games your team's going to play just kind of brings about some excitement for fans and i would say i'm included in that conversation here right now and for now we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and who knows tonight when i settle in to uh, watch this sec schedule reveal we're going to be doing some of this on video for you this evening there as well uh odds are i'll probably have a uh, finished long drink not too far away just relaxing and enjoying the summertime and enjoying some preseason college football chatter in this case i guess pre-preseason because we're looking ahead to 2024 but whatever you're doing here during this summertime of the year i can promise you the uh, finished long drink it just goes great with all that I had a chance to hang out with my brother and his uh family uh, this past weekend uh we were sitting around and finishing up some dinner and uh, looked over and there my brother kind of pulled out a finished long drink a uh, traditional he had the blue can the uh grapefruit flavor the gin kick I love it. Some of you like the uh, long drink zero. That's no carbs, no sugar, or the long drink strong, eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. Long drink cranberry, same kind of deal, but it's the cranberry flavor, as the name would suggest. Whatever choice you think is right for you, I promise it probably will be. So go to thelongdrink.com, put in your zip code. You can find out where you can try some today and enjoy what I think is just a wonderful drink here during this time of year. Our friends at the Finish Long Drink goes great with your tailgate goes great with your summertime fun goes great with whatever you got going on so try the finish long drink there today i'm always impressed by how many talented georgia fans there are in terms of just really great artistic abilities we showcase a lot of this with our golden shoe from time to time and a talented georgia fan also shouting out another talented georgia fan here our buddy ryan walker who we've featured as a golden shoe winner many times before uh, says, how about a shout out to my uh, good friend Anthony Foster for creating this beautiful masterpiece for the two-time defending national champs, and obviously uh, an RIP to Devin Willick in there uh, as well. So a wonderful, wonderful uh, painting there that includes the national championships. You see Devin Willick involved in that there too. Uh, Stetson Bennett, Christopher Smith, beautiful, beautiful, well done uh, work of art there by Anthony Foster, uh, Ryan Walker shot him out there. So we'll give Golden Shoes all the way around there for that. A really inspiring piece of artwork. Wonderful to be able to see that. Well-deserving of a Golden Shoe. How about lousy, stinking Gators? 136 days from right now. We do know that'll be in the Georgia schedule in 2023. We'll believe it'll also be in the Georgia schedule in 2024 there as well. And many more years after that, too. Lots of losses for Florida coming at the hands of Georgia. We love all of that. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. We will look forward to talking to you then.